If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of BSN Rockies, and on today's episode... As has been our custom lately, I will uh, very briefly be going over some of the goings-on from the final game in the sweep at the hands of the Dodgers. The Rockies have now lost nine in a row. As I spent a great deal of time yesterday discussing, I don't think there's much value in going line by line and trying to figure out, you know, the game. Individually, it's a tough night for Antonio Sensatella, who continues to not miss bats. Uh, Wes Parsons got hit around a little bit. Other than that, the bullpen looked pretty good, particularly a great night from DJ Johnson, who struck out four in 1.2 innings of work. You know, the offense did a little bit uh, to get themselves back into it there, but ultimately it was just the better team comfortably won the baseball game. And as I said, with Chichi Gonzalez on the hill, with the way Sensatella has been pitching lately, or really for most of the season, there's no expectation going in that the Rockies are going to win that game, and then they lost it largely because of their starting pitcher. So there's really not much deeper you can go there. When your guy gives up five and, and only goes three innings, that's a ball game. Uh, so I figured I'd get into some fiery disagreements that have been going on over the last couple of days. Uh, particularly because I 
seem to inadvertently have sparked a couple of debates. And so I, I specifically wanted to go over this one that stemmed from the Chad Bettis article that I wrote and published a few days ago. Hopefully you're all uh, subscribers to bsndenver.com. You got a chance to read that one. And this was really fascinating to me because I thought that I had written an article about how difficult the Coors to Road dynamic is for both pitchers and hitters in ways that aren't often talked about, concluding with a recognition that a great deal of time and effort and resources have been put into solving this problem, even to the extent that some of the things people get the most frustrated over the club for doing are related to this issue. The biggest one that comes to mind is the general lack of wheeling and dealing, of making a bunch of trades or free agent signings, having a relatively very stable roster. And Chad Bettis came out in that article and said very specifically that he understands that because the more experience you have dealing with the Coors Field dynamic, the higher your chances increase of being able to deal with it. Now, there are some guys who just can deal with it, and then there are some guys who just cannot. But time is a major factor in helping you to figure it out. And I think he made a a pretty strong case that that's true. He also said in this piece, and, and, and this is what's strange, so all of that was there, and that's really the conclusion of the piece. He says the words, I think we're on the brink of really figuring this thing out. I think we're about to win because we're on the brink of figuring this thing out. And instead, there's something he said earlier in the piece that has been interpreted in some circles. And and I must say, I you know, it's we're not often picked up by uh, the blogosphere. And, and, and you know, I, I do appreciate that uh, a lot of people over at Purple Row were talking about the piece, and so fair enough. Uh, but uh, I was a little bit surprised to see some of the interpretations because earlier in the piece, uh, Chad Bettis said that lots of guys have different answers for the Coors Field problem. And that seems to have been taken to mean that they aren't being given direction, I guess, by the club or by their coaches and managers, that each guy is left to their own device to try to figure it out uh, for themselves. And I firstly just want to, as a part of my job as a journalist, clarify that that is not what Chad Bettis was saying. Sometimes things get lost in translation, and sometimes when you're writing an article based on 10 minutes of quotes out of a 25-minute long conversation, things are going to get left out. Because it never occurred to me that somebody might take his comments to mean that the players were left alone. I did not clarify in the article what Bettis meant. So allow me to do that here. What he means by guys are all going to have different answers for what the Coors Field effect, either at home or on the road, the Coors Field curse, the margin of error, what that means is going to be different for each guy based on their particular skill set and mix of pitches. 
John Gray, who's trying to throw 97, 98 miles an hour with inside movement that's backed up by big sweeping stuff that goes the other way, is going to have a different set of issues that are caused by this dynamic than Chad Bettis, who sits around 93, 94, has a lot of stuff that moves straight down. His curveball, his changeup are downward moving pitches that he's really trying to get guys to beat into the ground. There's different ways to succeed as a pitcher, and therefore there are different ways for that success to be thrown off by having to change your sights. For some guys, it's the changing of the sights from home to road that is the biggest issue. For some guys, it's the difference in how their pitches move. For other guys, it's going to be a, a difference in how they're able to locate, whether or not they can get the same amount of grip in a in a moister environment. I know some people hate that word, sorry, in a in a damper environment than than they have at altitude. There are so many things to consider. And so what Chad Bettis was not saying, we're all left to our own to figure it out. He was saying the polar opposite, that every single guy needs to have their own way of attacking this problem. The Rockies used to have a one-size-fits-all approach to pitching, and it very clearly, for a very long period of time, did not work. The let's get sinker ballers, was, and, and it was a little more complicated than that, but they tried to acquire, for most of the last several years of Dan O'Dowd's term, really right until the, the before the start of the 2013 season, there was a concept that the way you tackled this issue was to just get pictures of one type, right? And so what I feel like I saw in some of the feedback or, or even criticisms of, of what Bettis was saying was that the Rockies should be coming down and telling these guys how to do this. They should have all the data analysis figured out. They should know what they're supposed to do at home and away from home, and they should just be telling them what to do. Well, that was kind of how the team operated under Bill Guyvet. He had his office right next to Walt Weiss or, or whoever else was the manager at times. And he'd walk over and he would say, guys need to do this and this and this and this and this, all based on the data. You know, and it didn't work as a one-size-fits-all philosophy. Tell everybody this is a good pitch to throw at Coors Field, and this is a good pitch to throw on the road. It doesn't work that way. If you've got a phenomenal cutter, it might not matter if you where you throw it. But if your cutter is just okay, you might want to shelve that thing at home. It's going to be different for literally everyone that takes the mound. And I think the Rockies have figured that out to a, a great extent in the last couple of years. Where to take issue is whether or not they're executing properly, right? Th that's a fair place to come out and say, hey, the Rockies may recognize the issue and they may be doing everything in terms of effort. And, and that's what I didn't like was this interpretation that the Rockies have somehow taken a laissez-faire, hands-off approach to the, the Coors Field versus road issue when it comes to their pitchers and when it comes to their hitters, which could not be further from the case. And this is not a subjective thing. Sometimes interpreting what people really meant can be subjective. This is not one of those times. This is an objective thing. Not only am I the person who Chad Bettis said this to, but I've talked to the people whose job it is to do these things. They exist, therefore I know, 
again, objectively, the Rockies are putting resources and time and effort into trying to figure out the best ways to tackle the issue. The question is whether or not they know what they're doing. That is far more subjective, and when you look at the results right now, it doesn't look like what they're doing is working. But that takes us to the other gigantic problem that I'm running into a lot right now, uh, which is really what what I thought would be the, the main topic of conversation today, though I realized I've gone on this Chad Bettis thing for a little while. But really, it's it's all kind of related because you see a few people take a particular interpretation of what somebody said that's just frankly wrong. Like You think he's implying something. And I could get how the individual quote without any other information would suggest to you that when he said guys are going to have a bunch of different answers, what that meant was there is no answer or nobody's telling these guys what the answer could be. That, that's not what it means. It just means that it's not a one-size-fits-all answer. And, and Bettis and I had that part of the conversation. Like I said, it just didn't make it into the piece because I didn't anticipate that particular interpretation of what he said. But furthermore, what's really bizarre to me is once that's pointed out, there seems to be this doubling down of, well, okay, but it doesn't, matter because they're losing now for this next part you're gonna need some Breckenridge brews maybe a vanilla porter a little oatmeal stout the avalanche amber of course the beer of the summer the strawberry sky nice relaxing beers they're craft beers for non-craft beer drinkers you don't have to be somebody who thinks long and hard about the kind of beer you love and the kind of beer you want to drink if it's something you just want to enjoy a nice simple taste uh, maybe you don't go for the vanilla porter the strawberry sky but that avalanche amber is absolutely perfect for you whatever your desires Breckenridge Brew, the official beer of BSN Denver, has got you covered. Uh, Everything there is good. Cannot recommend highly enough. And then if you are somebody who likes to think long and hard about your beer, they've got a lot of specialty ones. Uh, They make specialty beers for Comic-Con, which makes me super happy. Uh, There's all kinds of uh, things you can get into. Don't mistake that because they've gotten bigger and bigger that they are no longer like your local tiny little uh, brewery that's you know making up a different batch of something weird each month there's plenty of that going on at breckenridge brew so hit them up let them know that drew from bsn rocky sent you they'll be happy to hear it and uh, we should actually probably take a little bit of a, a break here before we get into this next topic because uh, I think it's going to be big enough. I, I sense I sense that I am about to uh, rant for just a little while on the topic. And also because it's very complicated, uh, there's a lot of little nuanced paths to walk down here. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, uh, we'll talk about why pointing to the record of the team is not a sufficient enough argument to justify every criticism you might have. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. 
Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. The Colorado Golf Association was founded in 1915 with the purpose of representing, promoting, and serving the best interests of golf in Colorado. A CGA membership costs $59.95 yearly, and it gives you access to member offers, discounts, events and programs, a 20% discount on green fees at Common Ground Golf Course, and so much more. The best feature of Common Ground is that it's owned by the Colorado Golf Association, and that changes everything because our mission is to use Common Ground as a live laboratory for creative programs, innovative programs that will grow the game, that will introduce it to a wider audience. It's hard to put your finger on what makes a golf course fun. Uh, it's challenge, but it's also playable, and it's a great value. That was Ed Mate, executive director of the Colorado Golf Association. He has worked with the CGA for over 30 years now. The CGA is currently conducting its third annual Dream Golf Vacation Raffle in partnership with the Bandon Dunes Resort. For $20, you can enter a raffle to win the Bandon Dunes Resort. Wonderful dream vacation that includes six rounds of golf on all three golf courses. Started selling raffle tickets a couple weeks ago, and we'll draw the lucky winner here later this summer. For a chance to win, enter at coloradogolf.org slash B-A-N-D-O-N. Welcome back into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Let's jump right back into what we were talking about before the break, which is sort of challenges and objectively analyzing a, an objectively bad baseball team right now. And this is a very easy trap to fall into, and it can be difficult to explain to people why this doesn't make any sense. And I'm going to do my best here, but I have to start by saying, no matter what I say here, some people will interpret it as me saying that you can't judge a team based on their record. It's not what I'm saying. That's a silly thing to say. That would be a silly thing to believe. You have to judge teams based on their record. It has to be a major part of how you judge and analyze any team in any professional sport, always. That is, of course, the case. However, and this is where I'm going to lose some people, you cannot use the record of a team, good or bad, as the be-all and all justification for any argument. 
Because if you take out the specifics of the argument and put something else in, you keep the form, it's utterly absurd. I will give you an example. If I say the Colorado Rockies are losing right now because they've never sent somebody to the moon, you might be inclined to say one of two things. Either one, what in the world are you talking about? Sending people to the moon has no correlation to winning baseball games. Or two, an unlikely scenario, but stick with me here for a moment. Actually, the Colorado Rockies have sent somebody to the moon. Okay? Those are two possible answers that you could give me. In the event that the Colorado Rockies have sent somebody to the moon, my premise has been objectively proven wrong. I said the Rockies are bad because they haven't done something that they've actually done. Right? Again, pull back from the form. I, they're bad because they didn't do X, but they have done X. I can't respond to that by saying, well, yeah, but apparently they didn't because they're still bad. No, they still did. It just turned out that number one was true. Going to the moon has no correlation to winning or losing baseball games. Now, you can put any other argument into that form. The Colorado Rockies are not winning baseball games because they just have no idea what to do about the Coors Field dynamic, and they're leaving all of their pitchers to their own devices. Now, I show up as a person with objective information on the matter. That is not the case. They are doing X, Y, and Z. Well, I choose to believe they're not doing X, Y, and Z because they're not winning baseball games. Or maybe that's not the reason that they're not winning baseball games. Again, scenario one and scenario two. It may be correlative. They may not be doing it right, but they either do or do not spend resources trying to solve the problem. You can't argue that something that's happening isn't happening just because it's not leading to the results that you want. And, this, and, and again, the, the issue here is just specificity. The same way it would be unfair, go back to last year, the team won 91 games in the National League wildcard. I remember, I was there. And a lot of people were criticizing the team throughout the year. I thought some of those critiques were nonsense. One of them that was not was that the offense was not good. For almost the entirety of the 2018 campaign, up through the National League Division Series with the Milwaukee Brewers, the Colorado Rockies offense was not good. It wasn't. And that was a fair critique. And it wouldn't be fair for me to come out and say, Actually, the offense is good. Look, they won 91 games. Now, it would be fair for me to say it doesn't matter that much that the offense was bad because they still won 91 games. Those are not the same thing. And I said that several times last year. Who cares if the offense is terrible as long as they keep pitching like this? This year, the offense is better. Again, objectively true. Everything else is worse. But just because the team was playing well didn't mean that I could totally dismiss that criticism. And just because the team is playing poorly doesn't mean every criticism of the team is justified. And there's a lot of that going on right now. So I, I just want to warn everyone out there, just be leery of that. Be aware of it, that there needs to be a more direct link between 
what you think is the specific philosophical problem, decision problem, or talent problem, and your only argument cannot be the team is bad. I'll give you one that's not as crazy weird as my moon example in case I'm throwing everybody off here. Here's, here's an example of a critique you could make against the Rockies right now that makes no sense, but I could still justify it because they're bad. The Rockies have the worst left side of baseball, uh, left side of the infield in baseball. You're going, Drew, what? No, they don't. Nolan Arenado is a perennial all-star, one of the best to ever play the position. Trevor Story's an all-star in this game. He's been in top 10 and MVP. What are you talking about? And I can say, well, they're terrible. If they're so good, why, are the, why isn't the Rockies' record better? You can justify any criticism by saying that, and it doesn't make it true. So, when it comes to comments from Mike Talkman or Chad Bettis that I, I think are being twisted up a little bit to try to look at something you're pretty sure is going on inside the Rockies organization that they're not doing right, that they're not doing well, something that's systematically broken about the team, and somebody comes out and gives you an objective piece of truth they did go to the moon actually Nolan Arenado is quite good actually they have spent quite a bit of resources on this and had made very very steady progress up until this season and now we're trying to recoup and find some new answers to it that is the case there is no wiggle room for your own interpretation there and to fall back on well they must not because the team is bad, is to miss the point. There is no one who is confused about the current quality of the play that you're getting out of the Colorado Rockies. I would be sitting here going play by play. Nolan made a hell of a play, by the way, last night at third base, but that's like literally the only thing worth talking to you about. Rymack stroked a nice double, but I mean, that this isn't news at this point. So I think it's only right that as we have these conversations moving forward about the Rockies and what ought to be done and where is the organization, that the terribleness of the season not overwhelm logic. And it is. Not for everyone, obviously, but in a lot of places. And not just the ones I've been talking about here today. The Rockies cannot afford to make emotional decisions about this season. It is the, the irony of all of this to me is that it seems to be largely the same people who want the Rockies to do the cold, hard, whatever you might call it, move. The non-loyal, non-family move. Get rid of Charlie Blackman along with just paying all these relievers to go away. Maybe even trade Nolan. Do what you have to do. Make the tough decisions. Uh, completely rebuild. Pack it in. Not, you know, the, those same people are having a hard time separating fact from fiction out of frustration over the record. And and that 
I, I think needs to be discussed. And, and I've, unfortunately, I, I've seen it in, in other writings as well. And I've seen some people suggesting, well, you know, if, if Jeff Breidich didn't want to get all this sort of unfair criticism, then he shouldn't have been mean to the writers. And I just, I could not disagree with a sentiment more. I think that, <laughs> I think if writers are going to be harsher in their analysis of a baseball team because they think that the GM of that team was mean to them, they're not doing a very good job of objectively doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I don't know that that's happening with anyone specifically. I'm just saying people have justified some kind of outlandish takes, in my opinion, to me by saying, well, Breidich shouldn't have said what he said about the writers. And I'm just going, if you're only writing what you're writing, and again, I don't know that anyone is doing this. It's just been suggested to me that it's part of it. And if, if the, it cannot be part of why you're writing what you're writing. Jeff, Jeff Breidich's comments cannot be a part of why you're writing what you're writing. Otherwise, you're not giving Rockies fans objective analysis about the quality of their baseball team. You're engaging in a personal tiff with a person. And, and maybe it's a legitimate personal tiff, but it doesn't help Rockies fans at all. I'm not here to fight them or be right or fight. I'm, I'm here to help you. You, the Rockies fan, have the best understanding of this team that you possibly can. And it's weird that a lot of things seem to be getting confused. I was, I was going to say purposefully confused. I don't know how much of it is purposeful. I think a lot of it really is just frustration and anger over the losing baseball. And that's the most understandable thing in the world. It's just worth recognizing. There's nothing wrong with being frustrated and angry over the, this is pathetic baseball. I don't know that I've ever used that word on the podcast. So let me step back for a moment and and empathize with the extraordinarily frustrated and angry Rockies fan. This is pathetic baseball. Like I'm not <laughs> I'm I'm not justifying that either. But if you want to be able to make a claim to being an objective and fact-based, information-based viewer of the game of baseball, then these weird percolating narratives uh, need to be dealt with properly. And, and as I said, appealing to, well, the record is really bad. It's just not good enough. It's got to be more specific than that. Mary says uh, very nicely here, just because one player like a Mike Talkman or a Tom Murphy isn't a fit doesn't necessarily mean there's a deep, dark organizational flaw. It just means there wasn't a fit. And, and I think that's, that gets right at the heart of what we're talking about here. If you go and search every day for signs that the Colorado Rockies are doing everything wrong, you will find them. And you could do that about any team, if you just went through every team in baseball and looked at the players they've given up on, even the Astros and the Dodgers and the Yankees, you're going to see dudes who were just outright cut, who ended up being star level or superstar level players for other people. It happens. 
Sometimes a guy needs a change of scenery. Sometimes a guy needs an opportunity. Sometimes it is just it's a it's a better fit. You happen to hear what another coach is saying better than you heard what your last coach was saying. Does that mean your last coach sucks and your new coach is the best? Like, no, you just have a better – they're human beings, and you happen to have a better rapport with that guy. And and so, yeah, I, I think that's the, the issue is that it's not wrong to say, man, the Rockies kind of missed out on Talkman and Murphy. That's not a wrong thing to say. The, the wrong thing, to, in my opinion, is when you start putting all of that together – and when you go every day and you piece all of the comments you can find that might possibly suggest that the Colorado Rockies just can't develop guys, when they've got a team that's 90% homegrown, they've grown all these all-star level players, many of whom were never considered top 100 prospects, like Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story. Uh, I think Rymack got in the top 100 at, at some point. Uh, Freeland never was. You know, Stuff like the, all these guys they've grown, it's just, it's just weird to me. Um, but, yeah, if you go searching for it and you interpret everything that you can through that lens, you can create yourself a nice little theory on everything that the Rockies are doing wrong. And then, of course, you can justify the whole thing with the record. I don't think it's a it's a healthy attitude, and I think it's creating a lot of Weird narratives percolating about the Rockies right now uh, uh, over how they're run that are just inaccurate and, and stuff that's just kind of seeping into the ether. And then I get questions that are based on faulty premises. And that's one of the reasons I come out and talk about this. It's not to for me to say, oh, my gosh, those people over there said a wrong thing and I need to tell them that they're wrong. It's like I, I it's worth correcting the record so that if you were wondering or if you ask me in the future, you understand that, no, it is it is not accurate that. Chad Bettis is frustrated with the team or or that the team isn't devoting a great deal of time and energy on the issue, right? And and so that's just for the specific topic of today. But whatever it may be, that's my job is to set the record straight. That's that's pretty much all I'm supposed to do. Obviously, there's a bit more analysis involved in that, and we try to have a little bit of fun here. But that's the most important job that I have is to make sure that I've set the record straight. Um, you know, right, Mary, good point. Cargo's a good example. Cargo was given up on by two teams as a young player. DJ LeMahieu was given up by the, he was a throw-in for the Chicago Cubs. They totally whiffed on him. Justin Turner was given up on. She's got a long list here. Cliff Lee, Max Muncy, right. And Jordan Alvarez, the Dodgers, let go of Jordan Alvarez, who's going to hit 75 home runs this year for the Houston Astros in about two months' worth of baseball. And they traded him for Josh Fields, a right-handed reliever you just now heard of. <laughs> or, or maybe have heard of once or twice before. Dodgers do it, too. You know, every, every team in baseball. So and, and when you So when you start making those little things a part of your case, that there's a fundamental flaw in your team, you're, you're using poor evidence it's not good evidence there now there's plenty of good evidence that there are some fundamental flaws with the rockies but it's very important to understand the difference between the evidence that's directly linked to issues that they've had and stuff that's really just grasping for straws at a need to paint some big overall picture that that shows that there's just this 
massive issue or, or, or that there needs to be a massive change when it's based mostly on things that aren't real. Anyway, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. That was a good enough rant for for one podcast. I think I, I kind of went on there. I'll find a, a place to stick in uh, the commercial. But, yes, let's all practice uh, sort of quiet, reflective, logical thinking through these final days of the season and into the off season, and try not to get carried away with the ugliness of it while – still recognizing that, yes, there there are a lot of things that need to be done. There are a lot of things that need to be fixed. But if we're going to have the conversation, let's dive into the details. Let's talk about each position, each spot, all the possibilities that the Rockies have and not throw out big, gigantic, nearly impossible to, to disprove theories and then point to the record as proof that it's true. Thank you all so much for tuning in for this episode. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and all of the other social media stuff at Drew Creaseman, at BSN Rockies, at Patrick D. Lyons. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook, whatever podcast app you happen to be using out there. Uh, subscribe to bsndenver.com. Make sure you read that Chad Bettis article that I've been talking about all day. I thought it was a pretty good one, if I do say so myself. And make sure you head over to bsndenvermerch.com to get yourself a fancy schmancy new T-shirt. Thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Hey, if you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to be a mature, refined adult, or you just really like wine, you have to check out my friends over at Weinster. Weinster is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Weinster special is that the majority of wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only... Are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines? You're also supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing most of the wines available in stores. With Weinster, all you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then, when you fall in love with a couple of wines, as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping cost. I especially love Weinster because it was founded by three CU Boulder alums. So sign up today with the code BSN25 to get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R.